Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name. So, first experience for me to preach back at the congregation where I grew up. So, um, This is a message from a couple of weeks ago that I preached at Bethany, bringing you greetings from the Bethany congregation, uh, part of the kingdom of God in um, central Wisconsin. So... So that's what the message is about this morning, the kingdom of God. And it's it's kind of a question, is the kingdom of God the same thing as the church? And so we'll go through and look at a number of scriptures about that. This came from a couple of conversations at ministers meetings, um, kind of debating this question, is the kingdom the same thing as the church? So... I'm going to have two kind of two thoughts going through here. One is we'll go through a number of scriptures, and also then I'll be looking at some uh, modern words that have to do with the subject. So we'll be going back and forth, um, and if you feel like you're not catching everything, that's fine. I'll try to point out some of the more important uh, points that I want you to remember. Uh, the scriptures, I'll, some of them I'll have you turn to, but if I don't say anything, you can just follow along because we'll keep moving here. So, so before we start, what comes to your uh, mind with the word politics or political? That's something you can just think about for a bit. So, okay, we'll start out with uh, in Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So God was going to make out of Abram a great nation. So the modern word nation... Uh, means a community of people having a common or the same origin, tradition, language, um, having more or less a defined territory and government. And so most of you, you hear the word nation, it's familiar. Um, so Deuteronomy 7 verse 6, and you don't need to turn to these. Uh, For thou art unto... For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. So God was talking to the children of Israel. They were a special people. So the modern word that would be close to that is ethnic. And that means relating to large groups of people classed according to the same racial or national, tribal, religious or linguistic, meaning that means language, um, cultural origins. So it's kind of grouping people not related to their government, but related to their maybe their background. Um, sort of related to nation, but it's it kind of doesn't have the government flavor to it. Exodus 19, verse 3 And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, 
and brought you unto myself. So referring to how he had brought them out of Egypt through the Red Sea. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So they were to be a kingdom of priests and an holy nation, a special people to represent God to the rest of the world. Old Testament um, words, I'm not going to bother trying to explain the Hebrew because I don't know Hebrew and probably you don't either. But the word that's translated nation occurs about 561 times and uh, that would be like where God told Abram, I'm going to make of you a great nation. So that occurs quite a f- often in the Old Testament. There's three words that are translated kingdom, and they occur about 160 times. And then there's a word that is translated assembly or congregation, and that occurs 123 times. And that would be the Old Testament equivalent to the New Testament word church. It just means assembly or congregation. So what is a kingdom? A kingdom is a government um, or a major territory having a monarchical form of government. That just means there's one person at the top of the government, and that would be like a king or a queen. And so a kingdom refers to like king or queen ruling a nation. Second Samuel 7, verse 16, And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. So God was telling David, Your kingdom, because David was a king, ruling over the children of Israel, said your kingdom is going to be established forever. And then jumping down to verse 23, David's reply, And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself? Here's why. To make him a name, and to do for you great things and terrible for thy land, for thy people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. Actually, that was a question, I guess. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever, and thou, Lord, art become their God. Modern word society. Society is a community, a nation, or broad grouping of people having the same traditions, institutions, collective activities, and interests. And in a similar word, community. It's a group of people with a common characteristic or interest living together within a larger society. So community, society, very closely related. Community refers to a little smaller group within the bigger society. Okay, Daniel 2, verse 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed... And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, 
but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So that was that dream that Nebuchadnezzar had about the image, um, chest of, or I think it was a head of gold, chest of silver, and it kind of went downhill from there. And then there was the stone which was cut out of the mountain, not with hands, came, destroyed the image, and filled the whole earth. And then uh, what I was reading was actually an interpretation of that. Uh, Consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. So, the series of, of scriptures that the uh, Jews of Jesus' time would have had of David's kingdom was going to last forever. There was this prophecy of a kingdom that was going to last forever. Fill the whole earth. The modern word country is a political or government, political and government very closely related words, uh, state or nation or its territory. And it's almost equal to nation. The word country and nation almost the same thing, except country has a little bit more flavor of the, the land or the territory. And another word very closely related is state as a nation or territory with a government, um, oftentimes used as a synonym, synonym of a nation or a state, or excuse me, a nation or a country. And there's a phrase that uh, people talk about, the church and the state. It simply means the church in relation to the earthly government. Isaiah 9, verse 7, Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So there's another prophecy about the Messiah coming. Modern word government is the continuous exercise of authority over the performance of function for a political Unit, um, and I think all of you know what the word government means. Political just means of or relating to government, making rules for the group. Politics just as means art or science of government. Authority is the power to influence or command thought, opinion, or behavior. Um, and all of these words, authority, politics, political, government, basically means setting rules for somebody else. Okay, New Testament, um, Luke, verse, or Luke 1, verse 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. So that was the angel talking to Mary. I don't think she had any doubt what he was talking about. You know, you think of these, these prophecies from the Old Testament. 
sit on the throne of his father David, reign over the house of Jacob, meaning Israel. His kingdom there shall be no end. I mean, that, that was very clear that he was, the angel was referring to the Messiah. New Testament words, um, again, I'm not going to go over the Greek because I don't know those words, but the one that's translated kingdom occurs 163 times. Most of the time it refers to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes, however, it talks about the kingdoms of the world or even the kingdom of Satan. And it's the same word, so it just means that, you know, that uh, ruling over a nation. The word that's translated church occurs 114 times. And that just means assembly, group of people that gets together. And the modern word, I mean, when we think of the word church, we think of a body or organization of religious believers. And that can refer to the believers over the whole world and of all time. You know, ever since, ever since Jesus, to talk about the bride of Christ, Referring to all believers, we think of church in that sense, but we also think of the local congregation as the church. And it's the same word, the same concept, just different forms. So the question for this sermon is, is the kingdom of God the same thing as the church? Okay, the word Christ or Messiah is the expected king and deliverer of the Jews. So remember these, and I only read a few of the prophecies in the Old Testament of this coming kingdom, this coming Messiah, or righteous king, godly king, that would restore the kingdom of, of Israel. Matthew 3, verse 1, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then the next chapter, Matthew 4, verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So both John the Baptist and Jesus started preaching, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here, right around the corner. Patriotism. A modern word, uh, patriotism, is a love for or devotion to one's country or nation. And then a closely related word is nationalism. And that's a sense of national consciousness exalting one nation above all others, placing primary emphasis on promotion of its culture and interests as opposed to those of other nations. And so it's that group feeling that our nation is best. Patriotism is when I feel like our nation is best. If we all feel that, that's called nationalism. Very closely, close concepts. Okay, Matthew 16, I'll ask you to turn to this one. So this is the first time in the New Testament that the word that's translated church is used. 
and it seems to be synonymous with the kingdom. So Matthew 16, verse 18, and this is right after Peter had, we call it Peter's great confession, he said, Thou art the Christ. So verse 18, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So in other words, the thought goes through, he talks about church, kingdom of heaven. Okay, let's turn to Acts verse 1, or excuse me, chapter 1, Acts 1. Acts 1, the first eight verses. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So for forty days after... Jesus rose again. He was teaching his disciples about the kingdom. And so their natural question was, okay, now is it time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And, and this, okay, this gets a little bit controversial. I'm going to explain the way I see it. If you see it a little bit different, that's, I'll leave that open. Um, the way, the way I see it, okay, the disciples ask, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, okay, I'm not going to tell you exactly when, but you're going to, supposed to go to, I think he said, go to Jerusalem. You will receive power, the Holy Ghost, and he will give you power to spread this kingdom over the whole earth. Now, some would read that there's maybe um, some reference to a future earthly territorial kingdom of Israel. I don't see that, but uh, Jesus was a little bit unclear on that. So um, so it can be read a, a, a different way. But the way I see it is, you know, Jesus was talking about the kingdom throughout his whole ministry. We get to this point, the disciples say, okay... Now is it time? And Jesus said, 
it's coming, and you'll receive the Holy Ghost, and it'll go on from there. So let's see what the apostles said about the kingdom. Um, You don't have to turn to these, Acts 8, verse 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Acts 14.21, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and taught many, they returned again to the faith. And that we must... Uh, excuse me, I skipped a line. And they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every city, or excuse me, every church, and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord upon whom they believed. So notice how they returned to these cities that they had been through. This was uh, Paul and Barnabas talked about the kingdom of God, ordained elders, in every church, so they were organizing that uh, that structure. At Pentecost, uh, it says the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And in Matthew 18, um, where it talks about somebody does not receive the direction of the church, it assumes that there is a local assembly that's making decisions concerning one member. And the same with 1 Corinthians 5, uh, where the man had his father's wife. They were to make a decision regarding the one member. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many." Romans 12, verse 5, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. And then 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular, and God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments. Governments in the church and diversity of tongues. And that one might seem about as strange too. Okay, so a couple of things about modern uh, nations. So what is this? Someone tell me. Of this one? Canada, China, China. Yeah. This one I didn't know. This was a this is a Christian flag. Some ecumenical group came up with this one. 
What is this? A cross. If there was a, and actually they, they put that on the Christian flag as a cross there. If there was a symbol that would represent the church or the kingdom of Christ, it would be a cross. And I was looking around here, the only cross I see is back there, a little one on the register back there. Um, a lot of churches do have a cross as a, as a symbol. We were talking about that a little bit in the Sunday school about in order to get into the kingdom of God, you have to go through the cross. So, and I don't think we need a flag, but if, if we had one, I think it would be something to do with the cross. Um, now, the, the earthly nations, they have a pledge, or at least this country does, the Pledge of Allegiance, and I'll read it to you. It says, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So we have some pledges of allegiance as well. Um, If you turn in your hymnal, Christian hymnal to 149, And so there's a number of here, a number of them here in a row. Um, songs about the church, 149 through about 159. Um, these are, in a sense, patriotic songs that express our allegiance to our country in in somewhat of a similar way as as the the pledge of allegiance is for people who give their allegiance to the United States of America i think our pledges of allegiance are much better simply because we have a better country okay back to the scriptures at ephesus um, in acts 19 verse 8 and he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. And then later on when he came back through Ephesus, Acts 20, verse 25, And now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. So Paul preached the kingdom of God. Okay, a modern term called the rule of law. And I'll read a definition from the dictionary. Rule of law is the authority or an influence of law in society, especially when viewed as a constraint on individual and institutional behavior. And, okay, so it even... Okay, all members, it's over all members of society, including those in government. So you hear the phrase, nobody is above the law, especially now. And so this rule of law is how you can have a president being impeached. It's because there's a law that's actually higher authority than the president. And that's how it is in in the country of the United States. So the question that you'd could have is, is the church or is the kingdom of God the rule of law? 
and so follow me very carefully here because this could be easily uh, I could be easily misunderstood. You can turn to John, John uh, chapter five. So the rule of law is there a law that governs the church? And in a sense, there is. There is the Word of God, but the King and the Word are actually together. So it's not the same as a law that's the highest authority and then the King under that. That's not how it is in the church. And Jesus actually addressed it a little bit in um, John 5, verse 39 He was talking to the Pharisees. He says, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me, that ye may have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that ye have not the love of God in you. So the church is not the rule of law. In other words, it's not simply a set of rules that we live by and that's what governs. It's, it's not that. It is the rule of Jesus. But he is the word of God, uh, referring to John 1. And so you can't separate Jesus from his word. In other words, the law and the king are basically the same. Jesus wants you to have a relationship with him, but yet he does have have laws for his kingdom. So hopefully I could make that clear. Um, okay, Paul in uh, was in Rome in Acts 28, verse 23, and when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. And then down to verse 30, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house, and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God, and teaching those things concerning which concern the Lord Jesus Christ, with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Okay, the modern word monarchy um, is just a form of government with one person at the top, and if it's a, a man, you call him a king. We as Americans don't quite get, we struggle to get the concept of a king, a royalty, or, or a kingdom. And it's because this country was, this country's government was formed in reaction to a kingdom. And so they set it up and they said, we don't want a kingdom. We want a basically a rule of law. And so when when you know it's it's a very independent well it's actually kind of a democracy or a republic, very independent minded and it's it's hard for us to really get that sense of putting the the good of the country above our own. 
I mean, we maybe get a sense of of patriotism in a way, or even the Americans around us have some small sense of that. But it's it's just you know that that kingdom mentality is just not in our blood. It's a little hard for us to to get that uh, that concept. But we can, I think, on a head level, understand what what it's like in a kingdom. Okay, a different uh, question. Is the church political? And that one might make you flinch a little bit. Um, so politics is just a set of activities associated with the governance of a country, state, or area. It involves making decisions that apply to the group as a whole or to members in that group. So in that sense, the church is political. The church makes decisions that apply to the members individually. Acts 15, the Jerusalem Conference, the church made rules, four of them, that applied to all the members. And Hebrews 13, verse 17, it says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Second Thessalonians 3, you can turn to this one. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us, or teaching which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. For we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you, neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any should not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk... Among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother." So those are fairly stiff words. Um, Paul's commanding, telling the church, if there's somebody not doing what they're supposed to, you're supposed to discipline them. So is the church political in the sense that it sets rules for its members? Yes, it is. And we don't necessarily like that word. Uh, maybe here's why. Um, there's a couple of things, a couple of concepts uh, like political maneuvering, and that's basing decisions on what you perceive you can gain by the relationships in the long run 
In other words, you're trying to line up this relationship and court somebody's favor over here so that you can manipulate your way. It's political maneuvering or another phrase is playing politics to use a situation or relationships between people for your own advantage. And Jesus did um, address that. Luke 22, you can turn to that one. Luke 22, verse 24. And there was also strife among them, which which of them should be accounted the greatest. This is among the disciples. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. He that is chief, as him that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as him as he that serveth. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations, and I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father has appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So Jesus was saying you are to be servant leaders not playing politics to try to get your own way. So back to the question, is the church, or is the kingdom the same thing as the church? And from those scriptures I I read, I would say that for the most part, yes, there may be aspects of the phrase, the kingdom of God, that don't apply to the church. Um, You know, you think of, of angels, that serve God, in a sense they're part of God's kingdom. But yet Paul actually wrote that we will judge angels. I don't understand that. Um, but for the most part, for, for us here now, the things that are talked about as the kingdom of God apply to the church. The church is to be that, that special nation, the Israel of the New Testament, that uh, it's a kingdom or nation of God that displays to the world who God is. There's two areas that this study has clarified for me. The one is the two-kingdom concept. And that is, you know, there's Jesus' kingdom, and then there's the kingdoms of this world. And there's often conflict between those two. Uh, one of the purposes of this of Jesus' kingdom is to show to the world God's character and holiness in Ezekiel 36:23. And I will sanctify my name, my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. In First Peter 2, verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
so there's the two kingdoms. And then the other thing it clarifies for me is that Jesus' teachings are for now. Um, among many Protestants, maybe not all, but many Protestants, the teachings of Jesus about the kingdom are kind of put off in the, into the future. That there's some coming kingdom of Jesus that that's when these, the Sermon on the Mount, those ideals will be lived out. But those are for us now. And we are to live by the Beatitudes and those other teachings of Jesus about the kingdom. A couple of things of caution. Uh, the kingdom concept, at least in the last, I don't know, maybe it's been more than this, but 10, 15 years, um, can, can be taken by some as sort of a license for a uh, just me and Jesus perspective. In other words, they'll use it as a way to distance themselves from the local congregation, the local body. So a couple of um, cautions I would have about that. One is, one is what I would call e-church. I don't know if I've ever run into that term, it's, um, but you can guess what it means. E-church is where you have your group of acquaintances, um, probably online, that you fellowship with. And they're your friends, they're your church family in a way, and and that is not healthy. Um, Jesus was one time talking to his disciples. Somebody came from outside and said, uh, your mom and your, your, brethren, your brothers are wanting to talk to you. And... And this is even somewhat of a, you know, would sting a little bit in our culture, and theirs was even more so. But what Jesus said was, he pointed to his disciples, and he said, these are my mother and my brethren, the ones who do the will of God. And what I get from that is that Jesus is saying the church, the ones who are serving God, those are the ones who are actually... Stronger should be stronger ties than even your blood family. Now, most of us don't have to make that choice. I should, well, maybe it's not most of us. Many of us don't have to make that choice, and that is a blessing if you don't. But many people do, um, where they have to decide between who am I most um, connected with, my church family or my blood relation. The local body is, this is a little bit different concept, the local body is considered an entity by the king, by Jesus, and I'm not going to read through these, but uh, there's a couple of uh, churches in Revelation. Those seven churches, Thyatira and Sardis, where he's talking to the church, and then he says, but there's a couple among that you, you know, so he, he references both the congregation as a whole and as individuals. And Jesus also talks about rejecting a church, a congregation. He threatened this to Ephesus and to Laodicea. 
so Jesus not only interacts with us as individuals, he re, he interacts with congregations. And when I when I read through the New Testament, I don't see any difference in the way he relates to the bride of Christ as a whole, local congregations, or individuals. It's the same set of rules, if you will, for for all of those interactions um, between Jesus and the bride of Christ, the local body, and one individual. So here's here's the take home uh, parts that you can you can think about and ponder. So yes, the kingdom of God is the church, at least for our practical purposes right here and now, uh, both the body of believers of all time and the, the local body. To say you are a kingdom Christian, and we hear that word once or that phrase once in a while, are you a kingdom Christian? That's like saying you believe in a one-man, one-woman marriage. It's kind of like, well... Yeah. Second point, to say you are part of the kingdom but not the local body is like saying you are married but you live separate from your spouse. Quite often the full surrender required of a Christian finds its expression in relationships in the church or in marriage. And I use the illustrations about marriage because that's what Paul did, talking about Christ and the church. He used marriage as that uh, representation. So in conclusion, I would invite you to full allegiance to the kingdom of God. Jesus is the king. He requires full submission and obedience Unlimited sacrifice. The rewards are more than you can imagine, both in this life and in the life to come. God bless you.